Thank you for double-clicking your mouse tonight. You're listening to the Midnight Frightcast in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey everybody, welcome to the Midnight Frightcast episode number 21. I am one of your hosts, Josh, sitting alongside Patrick across the table. And uh, that's and it. That's we're skeleton crewing we it tonight. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be one of those nights where we're like, all right, let's fill some time with uh, two people. So uh, bear with us. Uh, but then later on, we got a pretty cool treat coming up. So uh, stick around for for that. Um, got a few things to cover tonight. Um, we're going to start with, uh, yesterday we went to the White Light City Film Festival in Fremont, Nebraska. That is correct. We had, uh, film, uh, playing there during the comedy block. We played Love Bites, which was, um, couple years old now right yeah because that was uh we played that at uh pretty lights film festival last year yeah in, uh, 2016 yeah so um it was fun seeing that on the big screen again uh, i don't think i'd really watched it or seen it since yeah it was kind of fun to revisit that yeah they had a really weird format though like it was cutting people's heads off yeah and i, I and i don't know if that was my fault when i had to re-encode it uh, for the format that they required. Yeah. Uh, and because I didn't notice that with some of the other films that the others were filling the screen, but ours went to letterbox. So I'm wondering if that was a setting that I missed on the export to, gotcha. to the pro render pro, whatever he needed for his gotcha. 18 gig file for a 20 minute film. Yeah. Um, so th- that may have been my fault, uh, entirely. So. It uh, it played differently there yesterday than it did. I feel like in pre- pre lights, we had a bigger crowd of pre lights. Yeah, but it um, uh, it did play differently. I thought a little bit yesterday. There wasn't uh, the laughs and the spots that it got during pre lights, right? And also, well, I, I also think that like when it played at Prairie Lights, it was stuck in the middle of a horror block. Yeah, that was. And yep. Love Bites is not Mm-mm. a horror film. It's. It's a it, rom-com. It's a rom-com. It with, is what it is. We need to just call it that yeah. because we, you know, we've been stuck with trying to say that it's a, it's a horror comedy. Yeah. But it, it's it really not. isn't it's got like a even horror, that. Like a horror element to it because right. of the vampire because thing. Because it's a vampire thing, but, but there's, there's, no, there's no actual horror yeah. in it. So, I mean, we just need to say, damn it, we did a, we did a rom-com. We did a rom-com. <laughs> we just gotta, we just gotta eat that one and move yeah. on. But it was fun. It was fun watching that one again. Um, we saw a couple other films there that we enjoyed, mm-hmm. I would say. We did stay for most of the day. So we saw three different blocks out of the three of the five blocks. Three of the five blocks. And, uh, the, the fifth one we, we, we missed because it was something that we'd seen at Prairie Lights Film Festival. Yeah. Uh, Jim Field's Life After X. Life played. After X. The, uh, was the last block. So yeah. You want to start with some things that you, yeah, and you, you, uh, you, let me grab my notes here. Yeah. But uh, right off, uh, right off the bat, I want to say that White Light City Film Festival is put together by uh, Kevin McMahon. I think he's a one-man show when it comes to doing this. Uh, yeah, you know, similar to what Matt Keister did with Prairie Lights when yeah. he first started out. You know, we'll probably talk more about the festival itself in just a bit after we talk about a couple of the movies. Uh, but Kevin had a film there. He had a couple films there, but there was one that really stood out to me called No Intent that I really enjoyed. It was two actors thrust into a scene uh, that they, I mean, it was basically started at 90 miles an hour and kind of stayed there. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was interesting to listen to him talk about it afterwards because an actor had come up to him, uh, someone that he had a relationship with uh, in the, in the film community and said, look, I know they're doing a spinoff of another TV show, and I really want to get onto that show. So let's go to MockSides.com. I've got the script that it's 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 a uh, policeman and uh, someone had just killed his sister, but it's a friend and, and he did not intend to kill him, all this other stuff. So it's this very high intense dialogue between the two of them yeah. with guns drawn. And it looked very professional. It actually, to me, felt like a crime drama going on on TV. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah. what you would normally it's see on a, on, yeah. a, on a on a uh, television drama like that. I and I thought he did really well. The acting in it was superb, uh, especially from the guy playing the policeman. Yeah. What else? 
uh, the other one, and I, I, I think you like this one as yeah. well. Was it was called Cash? Yeah. Uh, very clever script. Uh, very well acted by the three. Um, yeah, the three main actors uh, that were in it. There was a, a fourth young actor in it, and she was she was fun. But basically, about a grandson that takes advantage of his elderly grandmother trying to get money out of her. She has Alzheimer's. She has, yeah. yeah, she suffers yeah, yeah. from dementia, and Alzheimer's, and can't remember. And he. Uh, disguises himself as a priest coming in and trying to get donations for his his uh his his cause and uh it was is very entertaining to watch because you could see it develop over time at first you thought this was a serious thing yeah yeah and then it became more and more humorous throughout and uh you you were able to see his intentions and i thought it was just very very cleverly written and well produced yeah, we started off with uh, the very first thing we saw was G's Louise. Um, so that was that was in my on my list of it was um, it was fun, a little long. It got to a point kind of where it felt like it didn't know where it wanted to go. Right. But like there's like a musical number. It started out like really kind of cute and like fun, and then there is at one point like it broke out into like a musical number. And then that was my like WTF moment because I was like, hey, wait, what, wait, what are we doing now? Wait, rail it back in. But the whole thing was fun and it was really good. It was really well shot. Mary Kerrigan? Yes. Directed that? Yes. Um, I think it was a little bit older too. Um, it wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't sure when it was made. There was one of the actors that was there yesterday. We should have asked him. Oh, was, was there? Yeah. The, oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, guy yeah. who broke yeah. down crying at yep. the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was really good. A very fairy country club. Oh yes, I thought was also up there on the uh, the uh, the fun level. It was a uh, again kind of a cute little comedy that was also in our block. Mm-hmm. And I like. I will say this. I don't even care. I like Loch Ness. Loch Ness is uh, Christina Marie Leonard. Um, I do think it played better as a. Web series because it was sort of that as a web series, yes. and then when they put it together the, to show in the block, they just piled it all together as one right. piece. Right. Um. It's 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 a lot easier as a broken up web series mm-hmm. when they they break those chunks up. But it's a it's fun. It's funny. Viking metal is in it. <laughs> so how can you not like that? Nebraska Viking metal. Yeah. Uh. You know. In in, in the same vein, also there was a uh, asshole camp. Yeah, uh, that was there. That was originally a web series that they took yeah. out. They took out all the breaks and made it one long. Piece. I don't want to say long piece because it still ended up being a short. Yeah, but I, I just think some of these things are better in the format that they're designed yeah. to be. Uh, because we had the opportunity to see Loch Ness. Well, I've seen it online prior to seeing it for yeah, the Lights yeah. Film Festival. Yeah. But we're able to see it break up and and you, you get a pause in between and that type of thing. You, you take a breath. You get to take a breath. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, when you see it without it being broken up and put into these long sections, I don't know if it's as effective um, yeah. as, you know, when it is intended to be a web series, maybe keep it as that. You yeah. Know? But for the, but I, but I totally understand what they're doing for putting it out there into the festival scene that it knocks off a good five to, you know, eight minutes of, yes. of time. Yeah. Uh, instead of showing them back to back. Yeah. Um, you can catch <laughs> Asshole Camp and Loch Ness. Both mm-hmm. on YouTube, mm-hmm. I believe, as well, if you want to check those out. But yeah, those were my like, yeah. you know, high uh, points. And No Intent, uh, I found out today, was uh, is featured on the front page of MockSides.com. And it's because, you know, like I said, that's where they had pulled the script from. So and it was so well produced that they decided to put it up there and and uh, to show an example of what can be done with these uh, with these scripts yeah so white light city film festival it plays in fremont that was their third year third year i'm guessing uh it's going to continue like prairie lights is going to continue to go and and grow every year mm-hmm. um kevin mcmahon we said put it together right and and it was a little bit different this year from what i understand we, we had not attended prior to no, this this was our no. first time attending but i for <clears throat> he had a last minute venue change it, it's my understanding it was supposed to be at the movie theater in fremont i don't know if they have more than one but uh it did get moved to the uh midland university uh the older auditorium yeah. uh, at at midland university so uh the facilities probably weren't as good as what Kevin had anticipated on having or has had in the past. Mm-hmm. And the attendance was probably lower than what maybe he was expecting or something like that. Yeah. But once again, it's only in its third year and it is Fremont, Nebraska. So, yeah. you know, we, we may see this growing over time. Yeah. 
And the the venue change might have deterred people from coming out right. as well. Yeah. Um you just you don't know. So I mean I I, I uh I think it'll continue to Yeah. To get up there as it as it goes along. So but yeah, it was a good time. And yeah. I mean, I'd go back. I'd so, go back as well. Um, It'll be interesting to see what, you know, the difference between this year and next year. Exactly. You know, to see if the venue change is a permanent thing or if it was just something that happened that yeah, was minute. that was unforeseen. Yeah. So, cool. Uh, you want to talk about what we've been watching real quick? Sure. Do you want uh, to go first? Yeah. I mean, the two things that I – it's like the two things. Two um, things. Well, because, I've got two things. Yeah. So, so uh, but the two things I watched, we can definitely go back and forth on because we both have seen them. And the reason that one of the things I, I have so few things is because one of the things was Stranger Things 2. Yes. And I did not binge watch it. Right. Um, I chose not to binge watch it this time because I wanted to sit back after every, uh, every episode and reflect on that and take the time to reflect on that, that episode and everybody's, uh, like character and everybody's journey and, and all the, the end and just sit and think about that episode for a little bit instead of going, okay, I watched that one. Right. Now I can go to the next one and just forget about that last one because the next one's probably even better. And don't get me wrong. Each episode was better than the last, but last season I binge watched it and I, and I, and I smashed it in a day. And then that day ended. And the next day I found myself depressed because you there was no more. more stranger things. Exactly. Um, so yeah, and it's, it was hard not to binge watch it, but I just wanted to take the time to soak in every episode this time around and, and think about that episode. Um, Stranger Things 2 is also on my list. So yeah, we can bounce this one back yeah. and forth. I, I, I did not binge watch it. However, there were some episodes I watched back to back. Uh, I just, I, I'm in rehearsal for another show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my time is limited yet again. So I catch things like in between work and then when I have to go to rehearsal, yeah. uh, that type of thing. I got to say that this season is, Better than the first season. I just really, really, really enjoyed this um, because, you know, first season, it's character development. They didn't have to spend as much time on character development this year, except, yeah. of course, with the new characters. The new characters, yeah. So they could get right to the action, you know, and they did. Yeah, equal. I call them equal. The first season did spend the whole character building mm-hmm. uh, time uh, getting letting us uh, – getting to know the characters and everything. Season two had more action in it. Mm-hmm. For sure, um, I would say. Um, and, but it allowed that because we didn't have to take the time to get to know these characters. I love the Max, the addition of Max and Billy, I thought were, were great. Um, Billy added a whole new antagonist to the story as right. well. Yeah. I loved, uh, so I loved the Mad Max. I loved the addition of, was it eight? Is that what we're calling? Is that what yes. they're calling her? Number eight? Well, I can't remember what they called seven? Her, but it was eight. She had yeah. a name, but her number was eight. eight. Um, I, there was a whole article about uh, how they wrapped her up um, that I kind of – I did send I, that to you. You also. did send it yeah. to me. I completely disagree with did, the article. Did you read it? Yeah. Okay. You, you see, let's talk about the article then really quick because we got a second. Right. And basically the article <clears throat> said that that episode was completely unnecessary and yeah. was the worst episode of Stranger Things and possibly the worst episode of any series. That part I, dis- I do disagree with. Right. Not I, – I do – I would agree though with that it was not – it was probably the least effective of the episodes of Stranger Things. And, and you and I talked about that, that there there's obviously other ways to tell the story, to bring in that information, that explanation, all of that stuff. And the fact that it did take – it was one episode that was – I don't want to say out of sync with the others, but it was separate from the others – yeah. Where it didn't go back and forth was, a whole lot. So it, it was kind of like a different chapter. But I guess I'm used to reading like Stephen King novels where he does that all the time. Yeah, where he's – Where he's to, bouncing back and yeah. forth between stories and their side stories and everything mm-hmm. else. But somehow they tie together. So that episode did not bother me as much as it obviously bothered the person who wrote this article. Yeah. Now, was that the only episode that stuck with – one story, the whole episode. I did they so. did they drift out of that epi- out of that story as, at all during that episode? Do you remember? They drifted a little, but I mean, okay. it was, it was the, the, the main yeah. core of that was just that gotcha. that group of people. Yeah, but um, Stranger Things too, from episode one all the way to the end, it comes out of the gate firing, and it does not really slow mm. down for 
for nine mm-hmm. episodes, um, except for that one episode. Right. Um, but th- they set up the, the new character of eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll call her because I don't know her real name. And then it took seven episodes to bring her back to really explain who she was. Well, yeah, because they just had the glimpse of it in the first episode. Yeah. And from that point on, you're wondering, but what was that? It was fire when that, like, oh, that, God, that yeah. opening scene. That's was, what I said. They started, yeah. they started and they kept going. Yeah. Also the addition of Sean Astin's character. Yeah. And, Bob. Uh, uh, Bob and then uh, a polarizer. Yeah. Uh, I just thought those were two really great additions to season two. Yeah. Uh, because you needed someone, one, to balance Winona Ryder in, in more ways than <laughs> when one. You needed someone to hold her hands down <laughs> when she talked. Well, either hold her hands down or hold her up if she's been drinking <laughs> yeah. too much. Um, <laughs> we, we all remember that acceptance yeah. speech. And then uh, just Paul Reiser is such a good actor that, you know, mm. He's he's known mostly for Mad About mm-hmm. You, w- working with Helen Hunt on that sitcom that people tend to forget that he did movies as well and still does movies. And Is that different from any character you've ever seen him play, too? He was dark, kind of. Oh, he was extremely dark in Aliens. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But, so, but but it was also one of those do you trust him, do you not yeah, characters. Exactly. And I think he plays those types of characters really, really well. Yeah. They brought him – they, they – uh, you saw his character arc really done really well. Yeah. During, uh, um, yeah, uh, we're talking about time right now. I'm not going to lie. We're talking about time right now because, yeah. uh, but, well, because we still have a movie to talk about. We're only yeah. like two into our what have we been watching? Yeah. So the thing is, I mean, like what we could do is, and folks, this is what's going to happen here. Uh, <laughs> we've got this list of things that we want to talk about, but yeah. we also have a special guest that we need to bring on at yeah. a certain time. And what we may end up doing is saying, hey, we're going to take a break right now and then we'll uh, give this person a call, get them online. And then we may come back and talk about uh, the film yeah. that uh, we wanted to review tonight because, uh, yeah, we're getting pl- cl- close to the time that yeah. we need to give them a call. We'll wrap up here really quick with the, what we've been uh, watching. We've got a little then, bit of time yeah. yet. So. Um, so Stranger Things, uh, if you have not watched it, it took me a while to watch it also. But if you have not watched it, chase that because it is definitely worth if, if you haven't watched any of it, start with season one, obviously. And go all the way through season two. I recommend you don't binge watch it and just uh, reflect on every episode right. and, and soak that in and really, yeah. really get to get that. Um, there's there's yeah. another show on uh, in regards to Stranger Things. It's called After Stranger Things. Yes. Uh, after you're done watching Stranger Things, check that out. It's I want to say it's like Talking Dead after The Walking Dead, except they do it. They they cover the entire season. So I wish they kind of done it where they tackled each episode so you could watch an episode then watch an episode mm-hmm. of after stranger mm-hmm. things and they just talk about that episode so yeah. you can so you can digest and dissect yeah um but no they they did it differently because obviously they dropped the entire series on one day so it's kind of like okay yeah. let's but they do mm-hmm. they bring in all the actors they bring in the directors they bring in the duffer brothers they, they and they talk to these people and you get some really great insight into stranger things yeah so that's another thing uh, uh to watch uh the other thing i watched uh, really quickly and i guess we both have seen this um was hard candy mm. um i revisited that i'm a big fan of that movie um i started writing something a few years ago also that has not uh i have not been able to uh finish and i have not been able to fix it came from watching hard candy and i I tried to develop something differently and it just was not working um so i went back and rewatched it uh not because only because it's a really great movie um because i'm trying to figure out my own writing journey with this other thing that i at least want to finish right even if i don't ever do anything with it. Right. I at least want to finish it. That's a goal of mine uh, to start finishing the shit I start. So um, Hard Candy is uh, the other thing I watched. Well, talk about Hard Candy real quick. Uh, Ellen Page and Patrick Wilson. Um, Patrick Wilson plays a photographer who um, has been talking to a – Whom he thinks is a – 14-year-old mm-hmm. girl played by Ellen Page. And he meets her at a coffee shop and they get to talk in – and she kind of convinces him. Is that kind of how it goes? Yeah. That, or they kind of yeah. convince each other that she's going to go back to, back his, to place. his place. And they, they, they do some drinking and, uh, they get to talking and she spikes his drink. Spikes his drink. He's and, out. Uh, it ties him up. There's a lot of revenge. Yes. There's a, it's a, it's very much a, but I don't it, know if revenge but, film, but it, like, no, it's but very it, much like I know what you've been doing. Right. And it's time to teach you a lesson. Right. But, but the, the mental mind games go back and yeah, forth. It's very cat and mouse. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. If you want to feel uncomfortable, this movie makes yeah, you, especially, 100%. especially as a guy watching it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's intense. Yeah. There's a, a lot of moments in there where you're just, uh, I don't want to and, say that this is going to sound really bad, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there anyway, because it's not me defending. It's just saying you don't know who to feel bad for at times. That's correct. Um, no, I, I would agree with you on that. I would agree with you on um, that. Because Patrick Wilson has done – his character has done – we and we find this out – has done some very bad things. Mm-hmm. But on the back end of that, Ellen Page's character, <laughs> is she justified in doing what she's doing, right. I guess? Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Because um, she goes extreme. It's not like, oh, I, I figured this out. Now I'm going to call the police and I'm going to uh, let them deal with this – problem did you have some cracking yeah i did that was weird um she doesn't she skips that whole police part and just goes Mm -hmm. straight to i'm going to do some things that you're not going to like and this is an older movie too yes 2003 something like that yeah it's It's early 2000s so i mean ellen page looks very young the way it is imagine her i think she was in her early 20s doing this yeah playing a teenager and this was probably the first thing I'd seen her do. And I felt very uncomfortable with the situations just because I thought that maybe she was that young. 2005. And 205? Yeah. Or 2005. Yeah. And, you know, having a daughter the same age and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that really, you know, made it even more uncomfortable mm-hmm. for me knowing that this shit happens, mm-hmm. you know. So as uncomfortable as it made me feel, it is a phenomenal movie. It's really good. And I definitely recommend it for yeah. people to see. Yeah. Uh, it's it's one of those things you get two phenomenal actors together mm-hmm. uh, and magic just happens. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Again, small ca- – Margaret Cho's in it. She makes a, mm-hmm. an appearance. Um, otherwise, a really small cast. I think it's yeah. those kind of three, but mainly just those two in a house. In a house. Um, you know. Well, in the coffee house. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. really minor, yeah. minor locations. So uh, those are the things I have been watching. I have one more thing with uh, what I've been watching. Did you mean Sandra O, oh, by the way? Sandra, did I say Mark? I said Margaret Cho, didn't Margaret I? Margaret Cho. Okay. Well, like, Sandra O. Oh, uh, there's an actress named Margaret Cho, though, and I could have yes. swore that was She's a comedian, isn't she? She is a comedian, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I really fucked that up, didn't I? Well, I just I, I, I was confused for out, a right? moment. Yeah, I, I could definitely edit it <laughs> out. I, yeah. I I could. Yeah, I'm not going to. Oh, um, no. And then uh, the other thing I was watching, uh, I was getting caught up with uh, American Horror Story Cult. I am now caught up with that. Thinking, believing, this is probably the second best season of oh American God, Horror Story, really? if not the best. I I still put first season up there uh, as one of my favorites, and uh, this one is. You you are blindsided every episode. Really? It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. It's, I hear it's a mixed bag of nuts. You either like it or you're not liking yeah. it. So it's better than Hotel? Better than Asylum? I think it's better than Hotel. I think it's better than Asylum. Well, mm-hmm. Asylum kind of, to me, 50% of it was amazing. The other 50%, I kind of went, what? Got weird, yeah. It, it just got weird. Yeah. And if you're, if you're an Evan Peters fan, you will really dig this one because he's a major player in it. And not only does he play the main character, he plays multiple characters because they have these flashbacks to other cults. And he plays the cult leaders in all of these different oh, things. Damn it. So right. that's not giving anything away. That's not a spoiler. No, 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 no. Because, I just, I've been a ref, like refusing yeah, to chase this and because you to. because you you're watching it. You go, oh my god, it's Evan Peters playing that part. So, yeah, yeah. So if you're an Evan Peters fan, Sarah Paulson knocks it out of the park. She's an amazing actress. Yeah, Chaz Bono does a good yeah. job in this, which uh, just that's I heard surprised the hell out of me. Uh, real quick before we wrap this up, how's yeah. Walking Dead for me? Uh, for uh, kind of. Going this you know year. what? Uh, I'm completely caught up on it, and I really like this season. I know a lot of people are kind of going, eh, there's not enough character development. But then, yeah. you know, then like last year, they're saying there's not enough action. Yeah. And it's like, well, <clears throat> you know, what do you want? They're yeah. responding to the audience. Uh, but if you follow the, the, the graphic novel, All Out War is All Out War in the graphic novel. There's not a lot of dialogue in the book. Is that what this season that is? That's what this season is, is okay. All Out War. Gotcha. So cool. So I think we're going to wrap up this section. Yeah, right? take a break. Take a break. Uh, and come back with our guests. Yeah, we got some uh, technical things we got to work out before we get back. So, yeah, cool. So we'll see you in a little bit.
Hey everybody, welcome back to the Midnight Frightcast. Uh, joining us here, this is our special guest we were talking about earlier. I'm super excited to, we haven't done this for a while, we haven't had a guest on the Frightcast um, since the origination. Since relaunching it. Uh, yeah, since relaunching it. So, And uh, our guest tonight actually was on the Frightcast um, again in its original form when we were doing it um, a while back. So joining us uh, here tonight, uh, super excited to talk to uh, Benito Garcia of Wetworks SFX. Say hi to Super happy to be on the show. Um, so uh, we're going to try to start bringing in more guests. We want to talk to some people. We want to kind of get out there and um, talk to other filmmakers in Nebraska. And I think this is kind of a, a cool way to, to go about it. So it's cool to have Ben back on uh, as a first guest. The things that I wanted to kind of cover with Ben were um, the first thing I wanted to talk about, Ben, really quick was you had a screening at the Prairie Lights Film Festival and uh, we tried to get you there and we it just got super busy uh, and it was a kind of crazy weekend. So we wanted to talk to you about uh, the short that you screened at Prairie Lights. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm always happy to talk about that. That was quite a controversial film. Yeah, so that was that was the that was kind of the the big thing was that seemed like the film that everybody was kind of sort of talking about. Well, everybody was anticipating it because it was put into the program with a bunch of question marks. Nobody knew what it was, who yeah. it was, or anything like that. And so, Ben, talk to us about uh, the short film called Down Under. Well, what it what and what's funny about it is it didn't. It didn't originate as far as Prairie Lights goes. Uh, Prairie Lights goes as a, a secret film. When they were doing their, uh, uh, Mark and Matt were doing their uh, podcast for the Prairie Lights, uh, they had me on as a guest. I talked about the film. We talked about, I think, a lot of things we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, we got to the very end after an hour's worth of interview. And I think, I can't remember who said it. I think it might have been Matt. And uh, he said, you know what would be cool? is if we brought this film on as a secret film, secret director, nobody knows what anything's about, the film, who made it, who's in it, and we all said, God, that's a great idea. So we just completely scrapped that that whole podcast and the hour-long uh, interview, and just they just decided that uh, they put it up that way, and we all at the time thought it was a great idea. So where did this idea come from? Uh, you've had films at Prairie Lights Film Festival before, uh, but that was your first horror film that you made that was at the festival. Why did you finally decide to dive into that genre? Well, you know, you're right. It, it, in all the films I've ever had at Prairie Lights, I had never done anything for myself that was that was horror-related. It was literally always, um, oh, I don't know. I don't think we've even done a comedy. I think all of them were pretty serious or, or sort of a thriller type thing. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, it's probably time that, uh, you know, since I own a special effects company and we deal with horror movies all the time, I, I should probably maybe do one. And so I had had some ideas on, on what to do, and, and I thought it might be kind of fun to, to do something that wasn't super gory because I get a chance to do that on everyone else's film. But still, I kind of like the idea of, of scaring people, but but not that I necessarily scared them. I just gave them all the components and all the pieces for them to scare themselves and gross themselves out. So I, I kind of thought that might be kind of fun to do as, a, as an experimental thing. During the talk back at Prairie Lights, you had brought up the point that everybody's imagination is always worse than what you can put up in front of them on the screen. Now, how did you approach that? We had actually done um, a trailer for a web series called uh, The Demonic. That's what it's called. Uh, it never got off the ground, but I really wanted to film something, again, where we didn't give everything away. So what we did is we shot it sort of Evil Dead style, you know, where the where the entity is coming through the woods and cutting through the trees and, and chasing whoever it is, trying to get to the cabin. And so that's what we did in The Demonic, and we had a girl victim. Her back was slashed wide open, and her shirt was ripped, and there was blood everywhere. And the camera chased her down through the woods and to a house. And when it almost got her, she ran around to the side of the house. She ran down into a basement, locked herself in a, not a cellar door, but a room in the basement of this house. She didn't even know who the house belonged to. And when she, when she locked herself in there, she had a lighter for just enough light kind of to, you know, illuminate her face. But then, of course, that goes out. And then so you hear, you hear everything that's happening outside of the room that she's hiding in. So you know the demon had come in. Uh, you hear things crashing, and then you hear 
another person come in, there's a fight, gunshots, the creature's growling, a couple of shots, you sort of hear it start to die, and the door swings open, and it's the hero that had came in and killed the demon. And so I kind of like that idea of playing around with, with imagining what the demon looked like. We never actually showed it, so it was up to you to figure it out. And so that's sort of where, where that stemmed from. So in making the film, we sort of did... We sort of did the same thing. It's just we gave the victim an opportunity to peek underneath the door. So it wasn't, I wanted to attack as many senses as I could. So not only did your victim in the closet who'd been abducted by a, a serial killer hear what's happening outside of the room that he's thrown her in, which was just a little closet, she could actually peek under the door and look across the hallway at basically another door. And so you're in her shoes. You're imagining what's happening on the other side, of, other side of that door as the killer would come and go out of that room. And uh, we just, I just thought, what's the most horrific thing I could think of but not show it? And, of course, that's chopping up babies with chainsaws. I was going to sit on that. I wasn't going to give it away. Cause, right. uh, but, uh, <laughs> so that's, yeah, so that's what we did. We, we, worked a re- we worked really hard on music to set the, the tone opening credits, or I'm sorry, the opening sequence of the, of the short film was a super juxtaposition film of Happiest Girl in the Whole USA, which is a super fun, campy, 60s, 70s sort of fun song, pokey song. And the whole time that's playing, and of course you see that the victim is a female, she has a gunny sack on her head, she's tied up, backseat of a Jeep, and just, you know, getting drugged down some stairs and thrown into a closet, and the whole time in the background is a super happy you know, can't be happy girl song. So then we worked really hard on, on Foley sounds as, as far as things that were happening outside of the door. Some of the times she didn't peek under the door right away. So so then you had to imagine what, what's happening outside of that pitch black closet. And it was just a lot of, there's a lot of, we showed some shoes of the killer and we showed, you know, a little bit of his pant legs when she looked under the door. But a lot of times when he interacted with the person across the room from her, the door was closed. So you had to use your imagination of what he was doing to the poor woman in that room as far as beating her and slapping her around and some things like that. Now, you had some creative use of the space as well. Uh, if I remember correctly, the room, uh, the rooms that you filmed in was actually just one room, correct? Yeah, we just... That's funny that you, that you said that. I was never going to give that away, but I was so proud of how it came across on, on, the, on the big screen. I, I, I gave the secret away right away. But yeah, everything was shot... When the victim is in the closet and she and she leans down and peeks underneath and she's looking across the hallway to another room, that was literally the room she was in. We had just we shot everything using the same door. We just kind of we moved some things around and piled some things on you know beside the door when it was the other girl in the other room and we had painted some uh, chip pieces of paint on the bottom of the door so the door looked a little different. But yeah, everything you saw was literally the same door every shot. We were we were able to trick you thinking that it was flipped and, and that she was seen across the hallway at another door. Was that a quick turnaround from script to screen as far as coming up with the idea, writing it, and the shooting it, and everything? Yeah, fairly well. It was. It didn't take a. It didn't take a whole lot of writing. It was more of just a concept and idea, and so there's really no there's really no scripted dialogue. There's some, but it's really just the killer talking at a door, threatening the person on the other side. So really, it was more of writing down shot ideas and, and, again, messing with people's senses. So it was a lot of just kind of notes here and there of sounds that we could use and shots and angles that we could use uh, to pull this off. As far as writing it, that went fairly quick. It probably took me two or three days to kind of sort of get all the ideas together and then figure out how to film everything through one door, flip around, film everything through the, looking at the door again, but in a different sequence. Uh, and then, of course, there was some outside location shooting. We shot it all two full days, for sure. And then, of course, editing took editing took quite a while to, to get done. But but it was de- it was definitely an experimental type film. So there wasn't a whole lot of story to tell before you see the victim, and there's not a whole lot to tell after. Again, that was all part of using your imagination. You had to figure out how she got kidnapped, and then at the end, when uh, he grabs the doorknob and swings the door open and she screams, then, you know, you use your imagination to figure out what happens next. So 
So the film was called Down Under, and Mark spoke with an Australian dialect. So was this film based on a true story? It was. It was actually based on Australia has had tons of serial killers, and with, with the bush and the outback, it's pretty easy to dispose of the body. So they really don't even know how many serial killers or serial killer victims they've really ever had uh, in that country. But we did base it on the uh, slang term was the backpack killer. But if you ever saw the movie Wolf Creek, Wolf Creek was based on this same guy. And he sort of kind of looked like, uh, sort of kind of looked like Mark Popejoy. And we knew we weren't really going to show Mark's face, so, but body shape, you know, height, weight, all those things pretty well matched the, the actual killer himself. So, and I'm looking up his name right now. I'm trying to remember what it is. Yeah, his name's Ivan Milat. M-I-L-A-T. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, he killed several people, so I thought, this is great. And what's really funny is I told Mark, I said, work on, work on an Australian accent. Uh, when you come in to shoot, uh, we'll have you read your lines, but then we'll come back in a few months and we'll do voiceover. And we had really good audio while we are running his lines. And uh, as we got closer to, I didn't really know the deadline was coming up for the DVD sampler. And then uh, Matt had got a hold of me and said, hey, um, if you want to be on the DVD sampler, this is what I need to film. So I was like, oh, shit. We were going <laughs> to yeah, yeah. the audio work. The voiceover stuff with Mark. So the Australian accent we got was the, is what we got. So, but it was okay. I thought it was fine. I, I think it it translated to you know it was definitely a, a, a foreign person and it was close enough to Australian to 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 pull it off. But you know the film wasn't really about the accent or the killer's voice so much as right yeah. what he said and what he implied. So I was I was perfectly happy with what we got. As controversial as the film was at Prairie Lights, it was definitely one of the favorites that played there. Uh, you have a great eye, um, and it's a lot of fun whenever you have something screening there. And uh, But I want to talk about, really quick, because I know you're short on time, I want to talk about your book. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that. Where did the book idea come from, and what stage is it in right now? I've always sort of wanted to do something as far as a special effects book goes. Uh, I grew up you know, reading Fangoria magazine, which I think a lot of people did, Starlog and, and, and Gore Zone and all those great magazines of, of my childhood. And of course, along the way, there's makeup books that had come out. Tom Savini had uh, a couple of different volumes of one called Grand Illusion. Dick Smith had books out, Rick Baker. There's tons and tons and tons of, of makeup, special effects makeup books out there. And I just did not want to be another special effects makeup book out there, especially when all the great people have already done them. And those are, the, and those are the books that most of us have learned from. So it's always been in my head to do something. I just wasn't sure what. And one of our films that come along, we've gotten a script. And once we get a script, we break it down into what the special effects are going to be and, and what what we're going to need for materials. And, and then we start to research. Just as an example, if, if it said female gets her throat cut by killer. So then I go online and I start looking at, I mean, at this point in my career, I know what a, a cutthroat looks like, but yeah. But just as an example of it, you know, I go online and I start to research some photos and some things of real life injuries. What happens is a lot of the times the, the pictures you find are pretty good until you click on them and they're really small or they're, you know, they're fuzzy or blurry or you're literally searching through hundreds and hundreds of images that have nothing to do with the keywords typed in searching for the injury. And it really gets frustrating and it wastes a lot of time. So I was talking to my wife, I was talking to Megan about it one day. And she said, you know, it's too bad there's not a book out there that just kind of has reference photos to certain different injuries. And I said, you know what, there could be. There's not, but there could be. And as I did some research, there are a lot of medical books out there, forensic books and uh, pathology books and things like that. Uh, but the problem is they're hundreds of dollars. Some of them are hard to acquire unless you go to a medical library. So it's really just access and getting your hands on those types of books. It's, it's, it's tough to do. So I sat down and I went online and I kind of started looking at uh, some different high quality photos of injuries and skin conditions and this and that. And I thought, you know, if I just put this together in a book, broke it down into chapters, it would be a great quick reference guide, and it would be a reference guide just for us being in the special effects makeup field. So we're not borrowing from surgical books. We're not borrowing from pathology books and things like that. We actually have our own reference guide. 
find some places that supply those actual type of images. The problem is you have to buy them, and then there's certain criteria you have to meet, put them into a publication, things like that. But it's really worth it because the images are very high quality, HD quality, and um, there's several different chapters out there that I was able to write based on the photos that are available. But what's cool is if you go to look at these things online and you go to these particular websites that supply these photos, they have watermarks on them and, you know, they're just a little bit blurry, a little out of focus, and they put X's and they write words all over watermarks so you can't literally use them for anything. But once you download them, if you purchase the photo, you download them and you get this beautiful, high-quality, very vivid uh, photo. So uh, it's actually it started to come together from that. Now, you put a call out to Facebook also and uh, kind of asked uh, Facebook for all the uh, all your gory, gross injuries, and you got a pretty good response from that as well, didn't you? Yes, that was, that was really funny. I This is at the time when I started the book, and I realized how expensive photos are. Photos range anywhere from $180 for a quarter-page size photo to upwards of $600 per photo. And I thought, gosh, you know what would be fun is if I just put the word out on Facebook. People love to talk about their injuries. They love to show them off, talk about scars. I mean, I've got 100 stories based on all my scars I love to tell. So on my Facebook page, when the book was really in its infancy as far as figuring out some photos, they just posted on there, hey, if anybody has any sort of traumatic injuries or stitches or bruising, anything that's happened to you, you know, message me, send me the pictures. If I can use them in the book, if the quality is good enough, I'm more than happy to give you credit in the book. You'll have your photo in the book. It'll make, you know, however many copies we make of this thing, and, and you'll be immortalized forever. I think what happened was a lot of people had missed the part where I said, message me your photos. And everybody was so excited to start sending them in. They just commented or just sent it to the comments section of my Facebook page. So literally I just had dozens of these horrific, bloody, gross <laughs> images on the front page of my of my Facebook profile. It was, it was a kick. And everybody was more than happy. I can't, I can't even tell you how many really, really cool photos that I got. And that was just round one, so we'll do another round here pretty soon. Now, you've got this up on Indiegogo, correct? I do. I have a GoFundMe uh, campaign uh, for it. Originally, I didn't think I would do one. I thought, you know, I just want to do this on my own. And not that I have anything against GoFundMe, because a lot of really cool, great projects have come from those. And it, it became pretty evident pretty quickly when I started researching the photos. And I don't want to just steal something off the line because it belongs to somebody. Somebody's going to want credit for that photo. So that's when I started going to these photo bank uh, websites, and particularly medical ones. And that's when I found out that, like you said, some of them are upwards of $600 for a photograph. And, um, you know, the company takes a cut and then they pay a royalty to the person that took the photo or who owns the photo. And so pretty quickly I realized that if we're going to do a 100-page full-color book uh, with some traumatic injuries and skin conditions, it's going to, I'm going to have to have some help. So that's when we launched the GoFundMe program. It came out pretty strong. We, in the first two weeks out of a 5,000 goal, I think we were at, my last count was almost 1,800 in the first week and a half, so. Nice. Very good. So it's been going really, really well, and I, I so much appreciate everybody that's helped with the books with either photos and permission to use them or a $5 donation or a $1,000 donation. It's really been it's really been a, a cool deal. Um, so where are you now? What stage are you in kind of in the book? And then uh, do you have a timeline as far as finishing the book up? Um, that's Right now, I'm still gathering photos. Um, when I need a break from all the gore and the goo and the slime and the grody skin diseases, uh, then I sit down and I write a couple of chapters. And that kind of that, it's been helping me stay focused. If I write a chapter on uh, burns, and I talk about you know first, second, third degree burns, and there's chemical burns and electrical burns and fire burns, writing that chapter then really focuses me to the next step. That now I can get off that chapter and I can go look for those very specific images instead of just kind of pulling things willy-nilly, thinking I'm going to write a chapter about those later. Um, so it's been kind of a combination of writing and and collecting photos. Uh, as far as putting photos to pages yet, I haven't uh, we haven't actually done that part yet. So I'm thinking, eh, I'm hoping late spring 
that uh, the book will be done because I want to book some shows, some cons and stuff to take the book to. Um, well, let's talk about really quick uh, future projects. What do you got? What else you got in the pipeline? You guys are always busy at what works. So what do you guys got going now? Oh, we are always busy. Yeah, this is normally our slow period. Um, by the time uh, the end of fall gets here and we just start stepping into winter, we finally get to take a breath and relax and calm down. And then uh, sometime in the spring is usually when we pick back up and, and people start sending us their projects to work on. Uh, so but the book is taking up all my time right now with that. But I do know that when... Um, <coughs> Spring does get here. We've got a short film that we're doing for, I believe it's going to be part of the Chills Down Your Spine anthology. Not anthology. Um, what am I thinking of? What's the word? Uh, so we're going to do a film for that. It's called Bed and Breakfast. That's going to be kind of exciting. We get to do some fun things with head casts and, and some creature creations. And then I also know the other thing that's coming uh, along after that is we're doing a, I think it's, I'm not letting too much of the cat out of the bag here, but I think we're doing... I think it started out as a short, and now maybe it's going to be a feature. And it's going to be sort of an homage to uh, the Puppet Master movies. So I know that we've got four or five uh, puppet, killer puppets to build uh, as it gets closer to spring. So I'm super excited about that. We know you got to get back to work, Ben. So real quick before we let you go, um, where can we find you? Where can everybody find your stuff? How can we follow your book? All that stuff. Um, let us know. Uh, let's start with just what works in general, the special effects company. Uh, we're really easy to find on Facebook. If you just type in wet works special effects, uh, let's, let me think how that's written out. I think it's wet works and then SFX studios. If you just type that in on Facebook, you can find uh, our Facebook page that way. The exact same thing on Instagram. Most of what we post starts out on Instagram and then we sort of share it over to Facebook and then uh, I manually put some things in on the Facebook page, but same thing on Instagram. It's uh, what is it? It's Instagram.com slash, and it's all one word. It's Wetworks SFX Studios, uh, and then you'll be able to get to us uh, on there. And then, as far as the book goes, it's really simple to get to the, uh, the GoFundMe. Uh, you can look up Video Garcia, and of course, like I said, it's usually plastered all over my page right now until we wind up the campaign. Uh, but otherwise, it's www.gofundme.com slash Wetworks. I think we're going to try to do. Uh, I think we're going to try to do a telethon in the next couple of weeks. We'll kind of, I think we'll do a live Facebook streaming thing where I'm going to have some guests come on and talk and they can promote the things they have going on. And they have some kind of cool special skills that we'll do a live show with. And people can call in during the telethon, like, like in the olden days, and, you know, get on the air and say, you know, I donate whatever, five, ten bucks, and we'll, we'll raise the roof and, and cheer them on. And it's just going to be a good time, I think. I think so watch for that in the next couple of weeks. Well, um, thanks for coming and hanging out with us, Ben, and taking some time. Uh, so we know you're at work, so we know you're you're busy. But yeah, thanks for coming uh, and, and hanging out with us. Check out Benito Garcia and uh, Wetworks of, uh, SFX on uh, on Facebook. Yeah, and you guys too. I love everything you guys do. I'm so glad that we're all such good friends, and and so we all hang out in the same circles. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, thanks, Ben. Uh, we're going to wrap this up, and we'll come back with the Midnight Frycast feature segment. We're going to talk about Trade Dupes on. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Midnight Frycast. Uh, we're going to talk about um, our feature film that we watched this week. Really awesome film. Uh, that I've been kind of pushing on these guys for a while now. And so I'm super excited to talk about it. We're going to chat about Train du Bassan. Uh, well, Patrick is going to give us the, uh, the old scoop on, uh, what it's about. Yeah. It's a, a it, it, it's a one liner here. It's, uh, Train du Bassan. It's a 2016 film from, uh, South Korea. Okay. While a zombie virus breaks out in South Korea, passengers struggle to survive on the train from Seoul to Busan. Um, and obviously, we're not going to be able to drop any uh, actors' names. Yeah, uh, on that's going to be really hard to do that. They're uh, kind of rough to maybe pronounce, and you know. On really uh, let's but. see, IMDb gave it seven point five out of ten stars, and uh, as I jump on over to. Rotten Tomatoes, 95% on yeah. the tomato meter with 88% for the audience score. So this is a very popular yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I've seen it now <laughs> probably four or five times. Um, and this is no like short watch either. It's a couple hours long. Right. So it's a sit. It is two um, hours long. But you'd never know it. It goes um, – it doesn't start fast. It starts like – this is what I love uh, right out of the gate. It builds a relationship right out of the gate between the dad and the daughter. Yes. So you get to know about 15, well, maybe 15, 20 minutes worth of like building that. Mm-hmm. Is it that long maybe? Um, of building that relationship between these two characters. Right. And it, and it really establishes the father's character pretty well at the beginning as well because he starts off in his office space. Uh, you kind of learn a little bit about what his mentality is when it comes to business and then how mm-hmm. it affects his family at home. Uh, and, and what type of relationship he has with his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. When he brings that uh, birthday gift home oh, yeah. and gives her the birthday gift and she opens it and she sees that he gave her something that she already has. has. Yeah. Um, you can tell right there, like that's somebody that is either busy or just really forgetful. Um, or, or just not involved. Yeah. You know? Not involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you get to know right out of the gate, this, uh, these two characters, this relationship and who you're going to follow pretty much through the whole film. But it also it also does that once you get on the train. There's uh, different groups they focus on mm-hmm. um, once they get on the train as well that they give you time to get to know as well. It's, it's a husband and wife, um, a baseball team kind mm-hmm. of, and then two sisters that the are on sisters, the train. sisters and then there's the homeless man. And then the homeless man that is on the train as well. And you follow – these characters as well, you follow them as a group, but you get to know these characters and who they are. And I'm super happy that they take the time to build these characters so you do get to know them and, and ultimately care about who they are. Right. Um, because bad things happen to these people. And if I didn't give a shit, then I wouldn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. But because they spend so much time letting you kind of into their world – when bad things happen to these right. people, it is rough to watch. Well, and and not only that, it's kind of a they they establish these characters in a way that it gives you the opportunity to to like them or not like them. Yes, uh, because there's there's some characters you definitely don't like. There in this is a one. businessman that uh-huh. I want to kick in the nuts for uh-huh. two hours. Right. Yeah. It's a it's not a movie that it's it's a movie that that it does take the time to set these up. But once they get on that train and once things get going, it um, goes, it goes. And it, it is, a, I mean, it is a train ride the entire time. It's a yeah. literal train ride. Uh, I mean, they uh, get off, I think one time in a train station, mm-hmm. but then there's this train station, like uh moment where like all the actions in this train station and they're like running through it and they're being chased by these straight out of 28 days later zombies. Really? It's now, a, now this is my thing. <clears throat> I don't know that I can classify this as a zombie movie because – Do they ever say the word zombie? They, well, they I don't believe they say the word zombie, okay. but of course I they don't, say speak, monsters, I don't I speak Korean. But uh, it is subtitled, yeah. yes. Don't yeah. look at me that way. <laughs> um, uh, but the thing is I don't think they had to die to turn. They got bit. Mm-hmm. Um, never died. And the turn was like instant. Almost instantaneously, um, yeah. Some of would, them it took a little bit longer, but – Yeah, they twitched for a little bit longer than yeah. everybody else. But they didn't never really They never die. really died. So that's why I was wondering. It's it's a virus. It's a virus. It's not yeah. – well, a lot of zombie things are virus. Yeah. But I don't think they – to me, it's not a zombie movie because yeah. it's a virus that takes control of them. So – now, then you take out 28 Days Later because then that would not be a zombie movie either. But I think I, we've had that fight before, yeah, whether it's a zombie movie or not. Um, I mean, technically they're dead if you think about yeah, it. Yeah. But they're, again, their infection is spread through blood mm-hmm. uh, and not even necessarily through a bite. So back to Train to Back Busan. to Train to um, It is straight out of 28 Days Later, those zombies are, are infected people. The creatures. Um, they move fast. Oh, my gosh. It's not slow moving. Everybody's turn. It's like they hired a bunch of contortionists Contor- to do this movie. I thought it was such an excellent <clears throat> blend of practical and digital effects because some of the things that they did on there was obviously practical with the contortionists uh-huh. and everything else. But there were some things that happened that had to be a mix between like the dropping from the helicopters. Do you remember that? I uh, don't remember that. Okay. I don't want to give away anything here we can talk about that but but but, but where where was that in the film about the first 
it's in the first act uh, when they're watching the stuff on TV. Okay. 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 Yeah. It's it's when the people on the train are first watching what's going on on the okay, TV. Okay. Gotcha. But and other places where it was obvious, there's no way they could have done it practically. Where they're falling off the train. Exactly. Like, the train. And, yep. And during the station, where they're falling from high places. For, falling from high places, and, and they land, and yeah. then immediately they get back up and start yeah, yeah, chasing yeah. people. Yeah. It's like there's no way anybody could have survived those falls. Yeah. And then do what they did afterwards, and mm-hmm. and like you said, the contortionists. Wow. Yeah. You know, they're people that were, you know, that's obviously they could dislocate their shoulders and do stuff uh-huh. like that. It was really, yeah. really amazing. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that, uh, during that movement class. Um, yeah. because you know, like when they do these class or when they do these movies, they get a, a, a group of people together, they put them in a room and they, or for the audition or whatever, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, now show me how you would move. Yeah. And uh, when they they cast the extras, they they always do a weird like class like this is how I want you to move or show me how you move. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that movement class just to watch and just to see how they developed the because really ultimately they all kind of move the same. Mm-hmm. Like usually when they when you do like a zombie movie, they're like this is how I want you to you know kind of walk or whatever right. or do this kind of thing. They all kind of moved the same. A little bit in this movie, but so it's like they were going for a certain, a very certain look. Yeah, yeah. and and some of the you, you talked about them being very fast. I think they also did something. They sped that shit up. They in post. they sped. They had to sped it up in post. Like they had their normal actors move slower, and the infected were walking. Were doing full speed. Yeah. So that when they sped it up, it looked like the actors were at regular speed, but then they looked at. Like they were super hyper yeah. sped up. It was, but it, it it was so effective though. Yeah, it was really smartly written though too. Um, all the like, there's little details like all the things like on the train, like when they go into the tunnels and all mm. the lights went out, and then all of a sudden these things can't see you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's little things like that, like that they added that it I was well I thought loved. out. Yeah. yeah, super smart when it came to writing this thing and putting it together. It's not like your typical zombie movie. No. I, I'm going to say zombie because I don't know other way right. to like well, put it. Infected. infected movie, yeah. whatever. Um, beyond uh, since 28 days later and then maybe Zack Snyder's like uh, remake of Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. This is the best one I think to date that has come out right. as far as what I've seen. Well, you know, they tried with the – was that horrible Brad Pitt one? Uh, World, World War, War Z. Z. Yeah. You know, uh, things like that where they tried to do it on a mass <clears throat> quantity. And let me tell you, there are tons of infected in this movie. Yeah. Tons. It's crazy. It was super effective. You know, it could it could have been digitally done, but mm-hmm. it looked like it looked practical to yeah. me when they showed those mass crowds. So hats off to the director and the people working in post in this movie. I just it, it, very effective in the sense of surprises as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I gotta say this, and I don't mean this except with all due respect. Asians know how to make horror movies. They do. They really they do. do. A lot of their stuff is – it comes from like myth or like uh, stories that they're told like uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's like our version of uh, – Like urban legends. Like urban legends, like yeah. That. They're urban legends though are just mm-hmm. 20 times creepier. Right. And they're all based off of just these, these uh, creatures that they think are like – they're mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. But there's also something about – to be said for the realism and letting the imagination go. Mm-hmm. This is one where they showed a lot more than they normally would, like in Ringu or something mm-hmm. like that. However, it's just they they just seem to be really in touch with what affects you as the viewer. Yeah. And and I really appreciated that about this movie. They know um, how to set up some serious tension for sure. Uh, exactly. And, and make you, like I said, when, uh, and when and make you think mm-hmm. and make you kind of scare the shit out of yourself. Yeah. And talking about making you think this movie I felt was more than just a horror movie. I think it was a social commentary <clears throat> because it was from beginning to end. To me, it was about people making choices and those choices were, those type of people who would do anything to survive mm-hmm. and those people who would do anything to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And some people changed mm-hmm. during the course of this, but it was always a choice because if you, if if you noticed there were, when things would slow down a little bit, it was when they were deciding what to do 
even mm-hmm. if it was a life or death thing that needed to be done within seconds. Yeah. They still took the time to focus on it was almost like a choose your own adventure mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. Uh so to me it was very to me I felt that they were trying to go for the the social commentary on the choices that we make. It's a it's also a heartstring puller as well. I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. So you do. And you, uh, speaking of kind of going, uh, talking about you doing anything and everything to make sure that person is safe, is safe. Yeah. And I will tell you, uh, this movie, um, and I don't, I'm not going to give away the end, but I've seen this movie four or five times and I weep like a fucking child when this ending comes around. I'm also curious if there, if there were two endings and I need to do more research on it because I saw a review that said something happened at the end, which wasn't <clears throat> what I saw. So I need, oh. so I need to, and, and you and I will talk about that off yeah, yeah, air yeah. because yeah. I, I don't want to talk about no. the ending because it's a very effective ending the way it <clears throat> is right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious if there was a, a second ending or yeah. an alternate ending. Maybe there might be, I have the, I have the Blu-ray at home. Okay. Uh, there might be an alternate ending and I'll look for that. Yeah. And if they have one, I will share okay. that with you. Yeah. Um, it, it was a review I saw on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It was an audience reviewer. Okay. Um, and they said something. I went, well, that's not what I saw. Mm-hmm. So... You have to look that up. There's also a, something that I saw and I on that review thing, and I thought they were absolutely right. They said it was the Poseidon Adventure, except on a train. Have you ever seen the movie The Poseidon oh, Adventure? Oh God, uh, I they remade they did a remake of that movie, right? I believe so. I it, may it's, have it's seen when the, that. It's when the 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 boat turns upside down and they have to work their way back up to the bottom of the boat in order to survive. And people are doing the same thing. They're sacrificing themselves, but there's also people who who would sacrifice somebody else Mm -hmm. just to be the person who comes out of the top of that bottom of the boat. Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting, well, one, that anybody would remember what the Poseidon Adventure was. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But I just thought that was an interesting comparison. Uh, Any other thoughts, Patrick, on that movie? I I just think you should see it. Yeah, it's um, free on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix right now. No excuse not to chase that movie. No, uh, it get, is subtitled. You can read what they're saying. <laughs> it's not distracting from not the action all. that's going on, uh, because even though there's decent amount of dialogue, it's pretty simplistic. Mm-hmm. Acting, I think, is really really good. There was only like one person that I thought was over the top, uh, and that was a someone who turned. Okay. Early. It was it was a minor thing. Okay. Uh didn't affect the enjoyment of the movie at all for me. Okay. Uh but I think I give it a solid nine. Yeah, I'm right there. I'm right there on that that same number. And I hope to God they don't try to do an American version of it. They're talking about it already. I know well, they've been talking about it for a while. Um, I really hope it's something that falls through and they don't do it. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason to do it. You can't do it better. No. I will tell you that right now. You're not going to do it better. You're not going to pull uh, the same emotions, I don't think, out of yeah. anybody um, the way this was done. And um, yeah, solid, solid nine. Yeah. And again, no excuse not to watch it. It's free on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have that, uh, chase that movie. It is um, – it's 2016 and it's probably one of my favorites of 2016. Yeah. So – By far. I, I saved it for my last one of the uh, 31 Days of Horror Challenge and I'm glad I did. Yeah. Uh, that way I ended the ended the challenge with a really, really good movie. So. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so yeah. Uh, we will wrap this up now. Do you want to do – plugs patrick i don't have any plugs right now we're we're done with the festivals for a little while uh we we, we're talking about what we're going to be doing next Mm -hmm. uh we've got some big plans in the pipes for us uh just planning out the year yeah Uh, we've got a couple meetings set up that we're going to be deciding what those projects are and we'll probably announce shortly after that uh what we're planning on doing uh, other than that, oh, we got uh, Tom and I are in a show called Soda Pop. It's going to be playing at the Haymarket Theater. Tell you the truth, I don't even know what day we open. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that pathetic? Uh, it's the uh, week after Thanksgiving, so that's what mm, December something, and then we end on the ninth. 
<laughs> you guys open on the 30th? We open on the 30th. Thursday. Yes. And uh, yeah. That's absolutely right. We go uh, Two weeks. De- we go November 30th through December. I'm reading this upside down. December. Do you guys go through Sunday? Third. And then we go the 7th through the 9th. Okay. Yeah, we're, we'd, uh, we don't have a, yeah, we don't have a final Sunday performance. But oh, yeah. Soda Pop okay. is a 1950s lip sync musical. It's a total send up to life in the 1950s. And all the teenagers are played by 50 year old people like myself. Yeah. And it's like the third time you guys have done it. So oh, my you guys gosh. have it down pat. Now, you know, right? the next time we're going to do it, we're going to do it in walkers and roller <laughs> yeah. cha- in, uh, uh, wheelchairs. So, uh, so yeah. Um, otherwise, check us out at uh, MidnightFrightFilms.com. You can find us on Facebook at Midnight Fright Films. Also, the Midnight Frightcast. Check out our YouTube page. We got Midnight Fright Films on there. And you can check us out on the Insta of Grams, uh, Midnight Fright Films. We're all over the place. Check us out. Got a ton of stuff on YouTube. And um, there's going to be a ton more coming here soon we just dropped ghost hunters on there not that long ago so if you haven't been on there recently ghost hunters is brand new it's there got a very good reaction at prey lights film festival and uh yeah just uh just chase our stuff uh and uh and and uh and uh yeah so otherwise uh we got a full house coming back on the next podcast we'll have greg back hopefully tom will be sitting in there with us and uh the four We'll uh, be back again on the next Midnight Frightcast. So other than that, I think it's I think that's it. Time to say peace out. Boy, Boy Scout. Scout.